fantastic. Good morning. Well, it's, yeah, still more. I have nine more minutes to wish you good morning. <laughs> good morning. Exactly. Here I am on the East Coast and you're on the West Coast. Welcome to Busy Living Sober. Thank you. I'm really, really excited to be having this conversation with you. Um, yes. Thank you so much for even having this platform. Oh, well, thank you for reaching out to me. Will you tell my listeners who you are and what you're about? Yeah, so my name is Richie Crowley. I am 27 years old, um, transplanted recently to Los Angeles from Boston, and I've been sober now 16 months, and I come from a life of athletics. Um, I started playing ice hockey when I was three years old and worked through, I was on the national team, division one hockey, professional hockey. And at 25 years old, I stopped, came back to the United States. I was playing in Europe the last couple of years. Then started working in Boston and one that we'll get into it, but it's like all of that was not necessarily like what I wanted to do. It was all kind of what I felt I was supposed to do. And in the past 16 months, since making the, I'll call it unpopular decision to go sober <laughs> at 26 years old. Um, started like changing things, it was unlocking doors, avenues. So here I am in Los Angeles, really pursuing the things that I want to be, um, the things I want to be known for, the type of work I want to be putting out. And it's, it's, um, it's really rewarding to be living that way, where it's like laying the foundation for the life I want, as opposed to working for some other dream and then finding ways to fit my happiness inside. Um, I'm kind of flipping that on its head. And I love your enthusiasm. And I feel very lucky that I got to read your blog on the medium. And for the listeners that are listening out there, what was the catalyst or what made you decide that you wanted to quit drinking? And if I, I mean, you don't have to get into the horror stories if you don't want to, but what happened at the end that was like, that made you stop? Yeah, so it's, you know, it's, it's a couple things. There's the health part of it. There was every time I drank, I didn't really have a restrictor plate, let's say. Like it was, there can always be another drink. There can always be another this. There can always be a that. And it's like you start finding ways to make everything possible, whether it be by purchasing more drinks for everyone to make sure more people are still around or going to another place and then always finding the next party. And it started just getting really difficult to like recover from, but the decisions then that I make, how they then compromise what I want to be doing that day or the next day or the next week. And it's like, I started having these really positive behaviors but every time a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday hits, I have to recover from those behaviors. And I wanted to begin just living a life where I'm constantly reinforcing the good patterns and the positive behaviors of my life. So there's, there's that from like a health standpoint, physically, and what my goals are. But there's also the mental health aspect, like what alcohol was doing to me I kept on engaging in these really empty relationships. These are like just 
when you're out at night and your empty promises, empty commitments, empty business plans, empty relationships with, with women partners. And it was like, that just really started feeling terrible and hitting my self-confidence. So then when I am sober, it's like just a, a low self-esteem questioning yourself. Then you're like, okay, give me one or two drinks and I'll take this place over. And it's like, I don't want to have to need a substance in my body to bring out the star that I am. And that's another piece. And then the final piece is just how I was a danger to myself. And this is like when we talk about, there was never a time where alcohol in my body told me, oh no, you shouldn't drive that car. There was never a time that alcohol in my body was like, oh no, you shouldn't try doing that or like jumping off of that building into water. Um, it was like so many things that were just too risky that now it's like you're lucky that you never got injured, but really like injured anyone else. So in the final kind of months when I started recognizing this, there were like three nights where one night when I went out into Boston and my intention was just to go for like a bike ride around Cambridge. I didn't come home until Monday morning at 5 a.m. And it's like, this is almost two days later. And it was like, what was going on? And I came to literally like four o'clock on Monday morning outside on a stoop with like writing all over my hands and arms, like no jacket. And I was like, what, like, what, what, I, I, I came in for a bike ride. Like what happened? So then it's like, okay, take four weeks off. And I'm like, nope, nope. And then I went out for a bowling event. And I was like, oh, everyone's drinking. I'm just going to have one drink. Again, 4 a.m. wandering around the streets of Boston in February. I had lost my jacket. Phone was dead. And I'm just, like, freezing cold, shivering, and, like, just needing a way to get home. And, like, couldn't. It was like, so those two nights, I was like, this is just, like, reinforcing terrible behaviors and terrible decisions. And then the final night was, on December 27th of 2017, I went on a double date and I was like, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to drink. And the other three people I was with got tequila shots. And they're like, are you really going to be on a double date and not drink a tequila shot? So I took it. I took the tequila shot and I was like, I know exactly what's going to happen now. Like I know what this night's going to turn into. And it's, it's not that it isn't fun in the moment, but there's a time when it turns from fun to like dangerous to yourself, dangerous to the mental health, dangerous, especially to your mental health and like compromising what you want to be doing those next couple of days. And that's when I just said, honestly, I was like, you know what? No, screw this. Like I'm totally going inside and this is done. And it's been really cool to be sober since then. And there's like, so those are, yeah, like there's, I think we, we all, everyone in the sober community can share like the horror stories, right? And the ones where they get people's attention, they're great in movies, they're good in the memoirs and the books. But as, as much as I have those and as populous as those are in my, my kind of history, I really started seeing like the mental health piece of it. And that's something where I was like, you know what, I'm not willing to compromise this. Like, seeing if I get out of a relationship with someone and like just feel like the only way I'll be valuable to someone is if I go out and drink and dance essentially like peacocking 
but I need <laughs> alcohol to do that just to get someone to show interest in me when that's not what I, what I want to be known for. It's like, I want someone, and I told this to my current partner who I've been with for a year now, I told her why she was so important to me and like why I fell in love with her is that she was the first person that like looked at me like I was art. And I say that because like I'm a writer and, you know, write poetry, write stories, but also do stuff with videos. And I was like, you know what? I want you to see me as this artist and this creator, not just the wild guy who looks like a lot of fun. And that's what everyone previously in my life had seen me as. They're just like, oh, that's the wild guy. That's Richie. He's fun. Um, so it's, that transition's been cool. And now the coolest part is that I've been able to find that confidence again, that self-esteem again, without any alcohol in my system to still be that wild man. So now I get to be the best of both worlds for myself. And I truly feel like sobriety's allowed me to be a star in my own life. And it's, it's like this superpower. I don't know if you feel that as far as the people feel that, but it's like, I honestly feel like I'm like, yep, I have a, I have a superpower. It's called sobriety. It's one of the simplest ones. Everyone has access to it. It's just, yeah, stop putting substances in your body, stop drinking. Um, obviously the, the path to that is, is, is much more difficult and long-term and, and lifelong, but yeah, it's, it's a superpower and that's, that's where I am now. And Richie, for one, congratulations, because that is a humongous amount of time. And Thank to you. be as young as you are and finding all these amazing things. So the listener that's out there that's your age, 26 years old, 25 years old, and they're realizing that they keep getting, they keep doing the same things over again, over again, over again, the insanity piece of drinking mm -hmm. and waking up. How did you get through like that first week or that first day and month how what would you say to the listener that's out there how did you do it what tools did you use what could you share with them yeah um so friends will ask this one a lot and it's it's the kind of uh, become a very fun answer but truly um three things ginger ale airplane mode on my cell phone and meditation and i'll break them down so ginger ale was i missed the taste the taste of something sweet and carbonated and cold on my tongue. You know, the first sip of a beer, the first sip of a Moscow mule, that, that type of mix, like juice, meat, soda, carbonation. I missed that. So ginger ale and then became kombucha started giving me at least that sensation while I still craved it. Airplane moding my phone because... I then could not even receive any of the temptation. So I'm saying I would get home from work maybe 7, 7.30. At 8 o'clock, I put my phone on airplane mode, and I did not look at it and turn it off until I had gotten to work the next day at 10 a.m. So I would wake up at 6, get on the train to Boston, listen to the podcast because you can download them so you don't need data, go to the gym, shower, go to work, drink my smoothie, plug into emails, and then take off my phone. And it was just great because I didn't even get the like, hey, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? Do you want to do this? And it's just like, it's taking myself out of that situation. But what I then started getting into was meditation. And meditation allowed me to be much more intentional with my thoughts, with my actions, and how I was able to begin processing 
just moments of life, what it's strengthened, you know, day after day, week after week. So filling that time when I don't have my phone to scroll through and I'm not a TV person, it was either reading, writing, or, you know, learning meditation and beginning to meditate more. Um, so I said, those are, those are my three things. And I still do the I still do like the kombucha and ginger ale, whatever, if I'm out somewhere at night, most of the time it's just water. But if I'm just like, oh, I need something sweet. I just need like two sips of a ginger ale. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> and getting back. Okay. I love the airplane mode. I never heard that before. I have, oh my gosh, people have to use that. That is awesome. And how did you learn how to meditate? Because I know a lot of people that have the attic brain, you know, it's like our brains never stop. Like for me, I say it's like a squirrel to my head. It's constantly running, 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 running. How did you learn how to meditate and what tools, again, did you use? Did you use an app? Did you take a course? How did you tell our listeners how you learned how to meditate? Yeah. So my, my journey with meditation, there was, there was a book by Light Watkins called Bliss More that I read and it, it, it like it got me introduced to what meditation does and what the benefits are. Don't read it. It, it. it wasn't as practical as I wanted it to be, but it did lead me to other places. It led me to the Headspace app, which I started using, and then it led me into actual in-person meditation courses, books by Thich Nhat Hanh, who's a like a, mm-hmm. a, like one of the thought leaders on meditation, and then from there, continued practice, but practice with permission for myself to forgive myself and to not be competitive with it. So if it's like the goal of meditation is not to be saying I meditate for an hour or I meditate for 30 minutes because it's like, okay, anyone can just like, you can force it, but there are times where maybe I'm going to take for 12 minutes and my mind is really going in every other direction. And that's okay. Like it's, it's okay to have that because I'm aware of it. I'm confronting it. I'm still showing up for myself. Like not every meditation is going to be perfect. And then there's other ones where I sink in and am just like, uh, again, like this force. So when I learned just to not be competitive with myself about it and say, hey, it's okay. Like you're not going to be perfect every single time you sit for a meditation. It's okay. But you're going to have a compound effect. If you show up for yourself every single day for a week, for a month, for half a year, for one year, that is, it's, it's like compounding interest when we're saving money. That's going to show up for your body, for your mind and who you are. And a way that for, to really stick that home is I break it down into short-term and long-term, which is, people say this word like complacency and complacency in terms of like the progress we make and we should fear complacency. And I agree we should fear complacency, but I don't even think that should become an option for us because if we are fearing complacency, it does mean we're focused only on this short term. However, Mm. if we are embracing this long-term lifelong journey for whatever it is we're focused on, then complacency doesn't even come in. What mm-hmm. comes in is we can be content in the short term because if, if my goal is 
sobrieties for the next 73 years of my life. I want to hit triple digits. I want to live to 100. If my goal is sobriety for the next 73 years, there's no, like, there's nothing for me to be complacent about. All I can be is content. I am content. It's been 16 months. Like, that is, let's be happy with that. Let's look at what we accomplished and then say, all right, great. I get another 71 and a half years to be doing it. Like, that's, so that, that's allowed me to remove any competition with myself and also with others and understand that it's like, it's completely my story. Like these are the pages of my book that only my hand is going to be producing the ink on those pages of. I mean, this is, I just love your enthusiasm. And you know, you've been, what you talked about with like living for the next 72 years without alcohol do you ever get into situations where well, that you think, oh, my gosh, when I get married, I'm not going to be able to have a glass of champagne and toast my wife or toast my family members? Because I know a lot of listeners out there are like, how am I going to go to this situation and that situation? And I think your example of what you even did last night is a great thing I'd love for you to share with our listeners. Because how are you living life without – because I know a lot of 26-year-olds like to mm-hmm. go out on the weekends and get really yeah. messed up. And how are you doing it? So – and I'll, I'll tell you what I did last night and tell everyone about that. But to the, – the, the symbol of champagne is like – so say, let's take the example I get married, right? Yeah. What does – like marriage, the marriage I want to have and the wedding ceremony I want to have is to be all about the love between my partner and I exchanging our vows. That's what I want my wedding to be. If I have one, right. Right. So where I do not see it's like where in the act of drinking champagne, does that show or profess my love for someone? Like where is it where it says, because I drink champagne with all of you, that means I love my partner more. You know, because I drink a beer with someone, that beer makes me a better friend to you. No, what makes me a better friend to you is showing up for you, supporting you, encouraging you, admiring you, congratulating you, being inspired by you. Now, there can be not even substitutes. There are just alternatives to ways to express that. So, Instead of, you know, at my wedding, raising a glass, what if I stand up on a, on a chair, can look every single person in the eye and not have any type of substance or anything in my mind that's altering my thought and thank them and let them know that I'm going to love this person for life? There's a power in that. I don't want that to be diluted by anything. I don't want any of my life to be diluted and potentially compromise any of the intent when I'm delivering my words or my actions. So that, that would be my, my response to, like, just that specific example. But in terms of, like, living a life. So a brand I started is called Wild But Well. And the whole part of that is that I, when I was drinking, everyone would say, like, I'm one of the, like, wildest and craziest people out there. And I've gotten back to see, still being able to be, like, this wild, fun, crazy person. But now I'm just totally sober and hydrated and wake up every day and, and can be sustainable and do it every day. So last night, for example, friends of mine were throwing a silent disco for the Malibu Fire Foundation. And a silent disco is when you go into what would be like a nightclub or a dance hall 
And instead of a DJ playing music over the speakers, every single person gets a set of headphones. So these headphones are noise canceling. They go over your ears and you hear the DJ, but everyone hears them through the headphones. So if you had taken the headphones off, all you would hear is people shuffling around and maybe a couple quiet conversations in the back. But you put these headphones on, it's like you go underwater into this world of dance. And that's something where it was, I think, maybe 12.45. And I've been there since 10 or 10.30. So a couple hours of just dancing and drinking water and, and hanging out. And I told some people, I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go home. I have a, a call in the morning, and then I'm hosting a workout up at UCLA. And they're like, oh, you're tired? I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm tired. And they're like, oh, do you need something? Like, do you, do you need some drugs? Do you need some, some more drink? I was like, oh, no, no, no. I was like, no, I don't do that. I'm, I'm, I've, been, I've been sober now 16 months. And they're like, wait, what? I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> they're, like, they're like, you're telling me you were out here for two and a half hours dancing like that, and there's nothing in your body except, like, a, the mushroom tacos you had for dinner and water. And I was like, yeah, totally. That's it. And it's just like, people don't think it's an option. So like when you wake up and you see a group chat with your friends and everyone's like, Oh, so hungover today. Or like, well, I need this or I need that. The decisions you're then making where it's like the food you start craving is not food. That's going to get you closer to, you know, thriving. It's just going to help you and make you feel good for a little, like getting that shitty food is not good for your body. So not only did you do something to impact your health negatively last night, you're now going to add on to that today. And it's like, that is not reinforcing positive behavior. It's just like, why, why build a wall? And then like a couple times a week, just like hammer one of the bricks away so that the next week you can just cement it back in. It's just like, it, it's like playing, playing tetherball where you hit the ball one way and feel great about it. And it just spins around and hits you in the head. And you're like, God damn it. I should start getting out of the way of that ball. <laughs> I love that analogy. Tell me this. How many, have you, have you had friends that have come and said, you know what? I want to jump on this bandwagon with you. Yes. And it's, um, there, there've been some that are totally onto it, but most of them seem to be the, Hey, I definitely want to do this. I definitely want to do this. And then after a couple of weeks, um, fall off because they go to a bachelor party or they go on a vacation. And what I need to work on here is removing any judgment. Like it's, I don't want to, I don't want to come across and be like, Oh, I don't want to waste my time because it's not a waste of time. If, if you can help anyone, but there's definitely parts of me that it's like, I, I don't, it's not like a trend, you know, like sobriety is not this trend. It's not like, the cool new workout class or like the cool new thing to be doing that's hip and social. And sometimes I do feel like people will come to me thinking it's like a trend, like, Hey, yeah, I want to, I want to quit drinking. Like let's talk about it. And then after a couple of weeks, like they go dark and it's like, Oh, they're drinking again. And I was like, huh, I wonder like how were they serious about it? Or were they just looking for like a two week detox so they can feel great about themselves? Um, but I have been able to start connecting with more people that are just are sober, you know, not inspired by me or motivated by me, but just coming up and saying, Hey, I, I saw you're sober. I'd love to connect. Like I'm sober too. Um, so it's been more of those types of relationships. 
Um, and yeah. And the other thing is my, my partner, she's totally sober as well. So that's been really cool. And just like us, we, like you, when, when the person closest to you, like reinforces your behaviors, it's pretty awesome. And you guys, do you use the 12 steps? So we don't, we don't. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I never, I went to a couple, a couple meetings and I just never continued with it. And I don't like, I, I don't have like a great reason. Like I, I enjoyed the meetings and they were convenient. It was just, yeah, I, I chose not to continue down that path. And it's, what's been really cool is that there's never been a judgment with that. <laughs> no one's ever been like, oh, you're totally screwing up. They've been like, oh, cool. Nice. And like it, it continues on. You're just like, wow, this community really is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you mentioned in your piece in the medium again, which I'm going to put the link to um, in the bio um, on my website on busylivingsober.com. You mentioned that you had done that January not drinking and you had done a couple of things before you really got this. Didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Those are like, the ones where you're like one week detox or sober January. And it's just like, I mean, I, I get it. like, it's, it's great. Any, anytime someone's addressing what their relationship to alcohol is, is, is positive in my mind. Like given my experience that I, I believe there's, there's a lot of positivity that comes from that. However, it's the way it's kind of delivered and my relationship was that it was like the trendy thing to do, right? It's like, right. oh, great. Like, if, when, when you ask people, okay, what is Sober January all, all about? It's not, people aren't saying, oh, I want to test the waters to see what a life sober would look like. What it is, it's being like, oh, I just want to start this year really great, you know, <laughs> invest in work, sleep really well, get on and try to instill some good habits that alcohol doesn't interfere with because if I have a month where I'm waking up and going to the gym or meditating every single day, hopefully in that month I'll develop this habit and then alcohol won't be able to screw it up when I reintroduce it February 1st. And that's, it's like that, that, that process, that thought process for me is kind of just like, damn, like let's, I don't know. It's just, I feel, I feel shitty. It's like, I don't mean to come across as like judging the movement, but if someone's true intentions are, listen, I want to, I want to see what life is like sober because I do think it's going to help me reach my goals. And it's something that I do want to pursue because I'm questioning my relationship with alcohol. I will be there front row, standing up, clapping at like any role I can play in that. It's when it becomes a trend, it's like, Hey, like there's, this is this is life for people, you know. There there are people who've been in some really dark or tough spots because of alcohol. Um, so if you're just like doing it to join on a hashtag, sometimes it's like, yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's it's an interesting one, and I know it could be it could be the minority opinion on it, but it's um, yeah. That, that was just my experience with it. Like I wanted something a little bit more lifelong as we as we know now and like committed and you've embraced it and i think that's the bottom line for everybody that's out there it's like understanding that your relationship with alcohol does not work you've tried it numerous times 
you go out, you wake up the next day, and you're like, where's my car? Where? What did I do last night? You have to go read your feed on your phone, all that, and you're sick and tired of having that. And busy living sober is all about getting rid of the shame. Like, we can't have the shame anymore. I'm, like, sober. I'm sober. I'm embracing it, and this is who I want to be, and I have to fall in love with me. And it sounds like you are totally in love with you, which is huge. I think that's the first the first thing with getting sober that you have to fall in love with yourself and not judge yourself anymore and not look at yourself for what you did in the past with alcohol and your relationship with alcohol, but move forward in your life and get busy living sober instead Mm -hmm. of living in the past of what you used to do with your relationship with alcohol. I I totally agree with that. It's shame is, uh, you you said the word shame and it's, it's such an interesting thing because the shame, what, what should have like brought me shame should have been like the actions that I had while I was drinking. But it's like the first time I really introduce shame is when I say, oh, I'm sober or like, am I an alcoholic? Do I have alcohol misuse or alcohol use disorder? It's like, that's the first time I start thinking about shame because of how I'm going to like identify there was no shame ever when I was you know being just like in an idiot or an asshole or like endangering people's lives driving drunk and like all that stuff you know it's like no no, there was never shame there right and it's like well that's because the alcohol was suppressing that um but the the then transition to embrace that and there's nothing to be shamed of I'm going to learn to fully love myself that's such a it can be a sensitive sensitive thing like uh, asking any stranger like do you love yourself or what do you love about yourself and it's something that I I want to be confronting that every single day of my life like I want to be like what do I love about myself every time I look in the mirror I want to truly love myself and not for just my physical appearance. Like I want it to be how I interact with people, like how I see a stranger on the street and smile at them and like look them dead in the eyes. Like that's what I want to love about myself. And the more, the more we love ourselves and the more confident we are with who we are, that authenticity and originality then shines anywhere you go and it's like i i don't have the science to say this but i'm gonna just say it. it's a fact like it, it's a fact that that shows and people notice that and it's you you start glowing like i went to may it was memorial day weekend last year so right around five or six months of being sober i went to my college five-year reunion and it was like I was kind of nervous just because I was like oh I'm gonna see people like everyone's gonna expect <laughs> this other guy or something and then people like oh you don't drink anymore okay okay and then it started like it's like word got around that weekend or something right like oh he doesn't drink anymore and still having like the same amount of fun it was really just cool to hear people being like hey you are like glowing right now or like there is this energy around you that is just palpable. Like we are living in the, we love this. And I was like, yes, it's working. (laughs) Like it's, um, and that's just, 
that that would never have been possible without without being sober. It's like what would have happened that weekend is I would have woke up on like you know seven a.m. on like the kitchen floor and just been like ah, oh, and then be like oh well, Monday's a holiday, let's start drinking. Again. And it's like no, I don't want that at all. Oh my gosh, you're infectious! I'm sitting here with the biggest grin on my face after this conversation. I am so psyched that you reached out to me, and I am so psyched that you gave me this time this morning, and I want to do this again. So I will be in touch with you because I definitely want to go deeper in what you're doing right now and your two, like your two things that you're doing with your cards and your wellness. I love it. I think our listeners can be totally into it. I want people, I'm going to put your email address on my, again, on Busy Living Sober so people can reach out to you. And I am cheering you on from the East Coast, the other side. And, Thank you. Um, Thank you. Keep going and enjoying this and being living your life and being who we're supposed to be. I think that the alcohol sometimes changes us and takes us to places we really wouldn't want to be going to. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. Yeah. It's. I think alcohol can it clouds it clouds decision making. It can impact confidence and it can compromise your alignment you know so you stray off it a little bit and it can make you complicit in behaviors you don't want to be a part of but the the insane advantage of being sober is every single thought every single action every single word i speak is true i hear it i know everything i'm in control of every single thing i'm doing and sometimes it's sometimes it's tough, right? Like when you when you really yeah. screw up or you say something that you shouldn't have, it's something now when you're sober, you're like, you know what, I, I I really need to apologize for that. Like I was in the wrong there. But that it's it's great. Like it's because it's then it's education. You're like, shit, I don't want that to happen again. Let me let me work on those behaviors to correct that. Alcohol sometimes just like oh whatever, like yeah, I was, I was drunk, <laughs> right? You write it off, but. The, the majority of the time, it's like such, such, it's coming from such a great place and like a warm and a loving place that to be able to 24 seven, like this is something like people are just like, it's think of this, every single word, every single thought, every single action you take when you're sober, you know, like th- there's nothing that is not, that I am not seeing right now. Like I'm looking at an orange tree. I know where I'm walking. I know what I'm going to say next. The words coming out of my mouth. And that right there is insane. It's like every single word. And that that's, God, that's what I'm living for. Like, I, I love that. And it just, it grows, it compounds. You, yeah, you become stronger. Well, you're your authentic self. And it's going to get maybe even spiritual. You're the person you were meant to be. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're not, you are who you were supposed to be. You're probably the same person you were before you even picked up drinking at 12 or 13. If your mom was like, oh, my gosh, here he is this crazy self again. And I don't have to worry where he was the night before. And now he's here and he shows up when he says he's going to show up. And he does what he says he's going to do. And there's no excuses. And you are your authentic self. Yes, that's. That's exactly what it is. And it's an amazing gift to give yourself and everybody that loves you and everybody around you. Right? 
totally. Yeah, I I don't I don't have younger siblings, but I have I think total maybe like twenty one or twenty two younger cousins. And I'm Italian. So <laughs> we we're very close and we have in the summer, um, down in Cape Cod there's a, like a family shared home that like for the last twenty years we've all lived in. So Collectively, it's like I've lived under the same roof with my cousins for a total of five years of our life, if you kind of put the months together in a string. Mm-hmm. And for, like, they it's, – it's not, like, necessarily a spoken thing, but, like, they watch every action you take. You know, they – For sure. When I, was, when I was playing for the national team for ice hockey, it's like, oh, I'm the coolest guy ever because of hockey when I'm playing pro hockey in Europe, I'm the coolest guy ever because I'm living in Europe. And when I'm partying with my friends, I'm the coolest guy ever because I'm funny and I'm wild and I'm loud. But I now am like, what do I want them to be? You know, like when I give my little cousin a hug and she's nine years old, it's like, who is, who's the, who's the guy I want her to see in me? Like as a 27 year old, do I want her to look at me and say, Oh, he's, he's like, he's always has a drink in his hand, right? He's drinking and he's like kind of crazy and all that. And all like, or do I want him to, do I want, do I want her to look at me and be like, okay, he is like so compassionate and kind and he, he truly cares about me. And like, he supports me. He's supporting equality. He wants what's best for me. And he will be like this ally for me for life. And he's really fun and still wild, but he's not. And, and it's like, she doesn't necessarily know what alcohol and all that does to you yet. But, um, you know, five, 10 years, whenever it starts getting introduced to kids now, it's like, Hmm, I like Richie, you know, like I want, I want to be that role model for my cousins. Right. I, I want, I don't want to be associated with, Oh, hey, that guy. Like, the first thing that people think of when they say, oh, Richie Crowley, like, oh, let's make sure he comes to the party tonight. That guy can party so hard. We're, let's make sure we get extra vodka or rum and we get drugs as well. Like, it's going to be a wild night. I want it to be like, oh, it's going to be so meaningful for Richie to be here. Like, he's so kind and has such a great energy. He's also really fun and wild. Like, let's make sure we have good, good music and it's going to be such a – good time that we don't necessarily have to like have low self-esteem because he's going to be bringing great energy. It's like, I want that latter one. I don't want it to be the less, less rage. You know, it's like, we can still have a great time. We can still be, as I like to say it wild, but well, you know? Oh my gosh, Richie, keep it up. I want to talk to you in the next couple of weeks because I want to get into that, what you do with the fun and the spirituality and being present. And if people want to reach out to you and say, how do you do it? They can reach out to you directly. By the way, everybody check my website, busylivingsober.com. Richie, thank you so much. I could talk to you for the next two hours, but I know our listeners probably are like, oh, my gosh, I got to go to work or whatever. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully I'm going to put these pillars up. I love it with the tr- putting your phone on airplane mode, meditation. I love all of it. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We will be in touch. You're a rock star. Keep it up. All right. Thank you. Keep Thank you. Yeah. Busy, and I will, sober. yeah. And I will send, um, I'll send you an email just with like any single possible avenue to connect with me so that that can be shared because I 
have so much energy and so much time for those types of conversations. And we need each other. You know, it's hard to get sober by yourself. It's really hard. And the fact that your partner is in the same place as you are, it just makes life so much richer. Yeah, it really does. It's, um, and I'm thankful for that. So, and I'm thankful for you. Thank you for, well, thank, for this day. Well, and, and I'm excited you. to continue our conversation. All right. Take care, Rich. You have a beautiful day. You too. Now have a great afternoon. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.